This is Radio Romania International. You are listening to our one-hour broadcast in English for listeners in Western Europe and Africa. We can also be heard on the Internet at www.rri.ro channel 1. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and other social media platforms. Our programs are also available on TuneIn and via satellite Eutelsat 16A on 11.512MHz vertical polarization, azimuth 16 degrees east, symbol rate 29,950 MHz per second, standard DVB-S2, modulation 8PSK, audio PID 510. We wish you good reception conditions. Hello, I'm Cristina Matejsko with the news. First, the headlines. Austria is the only country still opposing Romania's entry into the Schengen movement-free area. A few days before the EU's Justice and Home Affairs Council is expected to decide on the matter. From Monday, the European Union will impose a $60 per barrel price cap on Russian oil to reduce Moscow's revenues. And France are playing Poland and England are playing Senegal today in the round of last 16 at the Football World Cup hosted by Qatar. The European Union's Justice and Home Affairs Council is expected in a few days to decide on the entry into Schengen of Romania, Bulgaria and Croatia. A unanimous vote is required, but Austria's Home Affairs Minister Gerhard Gartner told the Austrian newspaper Curia that his country is opposed to Romania's and Bulgaria's admission on account of their unresolved problems with the protection of the external borders and the rejection of asylum applicants and their distribution. Austria has in fact requested that the admission of Romania and Bulgaria should not be put to vote during the upcoming meeting on the 8th of December. Austria is now the only EU member state to still oppose the admission of Romania and Bulgaria into Schengen. The Dutch government announced on Friday that the Dutch parliament would approve the admission of Romania and Croatia, but has objections with respect to Bulgaria because of issues relating to corruption and the rule of law. Sweden has also spoken in favour of Romania's entry. The European Commission called on the Council to take the necessary decisions without delay to allow for the full entry of Romania, Bulgaria and Croatia to the Schengen area. The European Union will impose from Monday a $60 per barrel price cap on Russian oil. The cap was established by the European Union, the G7 countries and Australia in order to reduce the revenues obtained by Russia from its oil sales in the context of the war this country generated in Ukraine. Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky described the decision as not serious, given that the current price is $65 per barrel. He called for a lower cap of $30 per barrel. Many experts believe, however, that this would destabilize the global oil market and lead to an uncontrolled rise in prices. According to news agencies, Russia has already warned it will no longer deliver oil to the countries that impose price caps. 
After talks with the director of the International Atomic Energy Agency, Rafael Grossi, the French president, Emmanuel Macron, said he would soon have talks with Vladimir Putin about the security problems related to Ukraine's civilian nuclear energy. In an interview to Le Parisien, Macron said that during his recent trip to the U.S., he discussed with Joe Biden about the war in Ukraine and its implications, so as to have a collective mandate. Before talking to Putin, Macron will have a discussion with Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky. Macron and Putin last talked on the 11th of September. Google Romania conducted a study on how the Romanians living abroad use technology to stay in touch with their home country. The survey shows that 9 in 10 respondents believe it is important to remain in contact via computers and more than 70% follow Romanian content at least two or three times a week. They listen to Romanian music, spend time on social media and follow TV and radio channels and newspapers from Romania. In terms of type of content, more than 80% of respondents follow the news, while 50% follow sports, culture, personal development and children contents. The most popular Google search subjects for the Romanians abroad speak of their strong connection to their home country and homesickness and Romanian customs and traditions. The most frequent notions searches in 2022 were the recipes for sarmale, donuts, roast peppers and apple pie. The Romanians abroad stay in touch with their loved ones mainly through messaging apps. 57% of respondents communicate with their relatives in Romania on a daily basis via voice and text messages using such apps, and 51% through daily video calls. The Google survey published by Press News Agency was conducted on a sample of 400 Romanians living in Germany, Spain, Italy and the UK and who are Internet users. France are playing Poland and England are playing Senegal today in the round of last 16 at the Football World Cup hosted by Qatar. The winners of yesterday's matches, the Netherlands, who beat the US 3-1, and Argentina, who beat Australia 2-1, will be facing each other in the first quarterfinal on Friday. And now a quick look at the weather in Romania, where temperatures are slightly above the average for this time of the year with highs ranging from 2 to 10 degrees Celsius and a humid overcast day here in the capital city with 4 degrees Celsius. And that's the news. This is Radio Romania International Broadcasting from Bucharest. Sunday show. Hello, we are Diana Bujo and Julia Howe inviting you to stay tuned for a review of the most interesting shows aired by Radio Romania International's English section over the past week. Children have a special place in human history, being in fact actors and creators of history, like any human being. 
but children have always needed protection and, over the years, common people or institutions such as the church in the Middle Ages and the state and organizational settlements in the modern era assumed protective roles. Lacrimiara Simeon has further details. The Romanian space had approximately the same history of child protection as that of the geocultural areas that influenced it. In the second half of the 19th century, the modern state assumed the role of active protector of children by establishing crashes, care homes and orphanages. The children who needed such institutions were the less fortunate ones, the orphans, the abandoned, the poor, the homeless, the seriously ill and those with incurable diseases. The first modern child protection institution in Romania was opened in 1897, when St. Catherine Crash, a social assistance society, was established. Poor children, motherless children, and young single mothers were brought here. Among the founders were Ekaterina Cantacuzino, wife of the conservative politician Gheorghe Grigore Cantacuzino, Irina Cantacuzino, their daughter, and Dr. Toma Ionescu. The Bucharest City Hall donated a plot of land of 20,000 square meters in the north of the city, near the current Arch of Triumph, on which seven buildings were erected. By 1948, the year the crash was nationalized by the communist regime, Thousands of children have passed through the respectable charitable institution. Juana Dragulinescu, the manager of the newest museum project in Romania called the Abandonment Museum, emphasized the pioneering role in child protection that St. Catherine Crash had. It is clear that for a very long time, the child had a rather unprivileged role in the family. There were many children. They started being used from a young age, let's not say exploited, but anyway, they had to have a role in the family. They were a mouth to feed, so they had to produce their own food. What I found in the documents from St. Catherine is that around the year 1900, child protection began being structured in Romania. And from this perspective, St. Catherine Crèche had a pioneering role because its representatives came and said, we no longer take children in out of pity, but we adopt them with proper documents. We no longer give children away to women to take care of them, but we create a system in which these women, the future foster carers, are supervised, how they feed the children and what way they educate them. Thus, they began to somehow supervise the placement of the children on long term so that they could have control over the future of these children said Juana Dragulinescu. The communist regime established on March 6, 1945, brought another societal reality to Romania, as everything has undergone a radical transformation, with the human being having been brutalized to the highest degree. 
child protection has also changed accordingly. Juana Drogulinescu is back at the microphone with more. The communist regime was instated and Ceausescu said, we want a strong relationship, we want more and more children, and he found this formula of Decree 770, which prohibited contraception, which led to a birth boom, the Decree children whom we keep talking about. It's just that he didn't think about the capacity of the Romanian people to raise children. Romanians were an already impoverished people, already in the grips of savings, which the Communist Party imposed on the people. So the people started abandoning children more and more, and the Romanian state started building more and more institutions, one other Gulinescu explained. The socialist society was one in which man was supposed to be happy and perfect, and any biological deviation was brutally treated. One other Gulinescu has more. There emerged this perception of the perfection of the communist child who had to meet certain standards. Anyone who was not up to standards and that could mean absolutely anything, even crossed eyes, was taken to those hospital homes which, in time, due to the large number of children and the system's incapacity to support these children, became genuine extermination camps. This is what happened in 1989. This is what the Western televisions who came here found and were horrified by these images that resembled those in Auschwitz. The only difference was that they were not during the Nazi period, but in 1989, Romania. Children tied to beds, children in chains, children treated inhumanely, as Juana Drogulinescu says. That was Lacrimiara Simeon with a talk on the history of child protection in Romania. You are listening to Radio Romania International. The book market in Romania has had its own trials and tribulations in the past three decades. However, books for children lavishly illustrated are an emerging segment of the market which seems to be growing. My colleague Eugen Nasta had the privilege to talk to the author and illustrator Alexandra Murzak, whose latest book, The Fragile World, has a book for children brought out by the Tate Publishers in the UK, has recently been launched in Bucharest. Let's take a listen. On November the 19th, the book was launched at the Posh Kerturesht bookshop in Bucharest. There is a deeply ingrained, intricate relationship between text and image. Such a relationship is even more complex when it comes to illustrating a book for children. I first wanted to find out from Alexandra Murzak how important it was for her to have a deep insight into a child's psyche. I try not to filter things based on the level of understanding. I think children can surprise us, and if we don't give them the chance, how will we know what they can understand and what not? Maybe then they don't understand all of it now, but I try to leave an open door for future readings. Children can be more creative than us, and they will find their own explanation for things they don't understand yet. 
I also believe in our ability to reinterpret books that we had as children. And some stories stick with us and we find new meaning as we grow. So I aim to achieve that. I try to build my books on layers. The fragile world basic stories that in a china cabinet, the creatures painted in red and blue live divided because they think themselves better than the others. And the conflict escalates when some of them want something that only the others have. Surely any child can relate to that, wanting your brother's toy, for example. And even conflict between adults start from basic things like this. Under this story, others, um, other layers are to be discovered um, at different ages. We tend to speak of children's books as books for children, but the audience is actually mixed. You have the child and the parent or grandparent or teacher. So I am not only telling the story for a child. That was Alexandra Murzak about her latest book, The Fragile World, in an interview to Eugen Nasta. And now we have the pleasure to introduce to you the guest of our program today, the ambassador of Armenia to Romania, Sergei Minassian, who has dwelt on the privileged relationship between Armenia and Romania in an interview to Radio Romania International's Eugen Kojokariu. Your Excellency Ambassador Sergei Minassian, thank you so much for the interview you have accepted to give to our radio station. And my first question is, what characterizes the diplomatic relations between Armenia and Romania? The story begins more than 30 years ago. From the very beginning, I would say that our diplomatic relations are very unique, at least for Armenia, because Romania is a first UN member country that recognized and established diplomatic relations with the new independent Republic of Armenia 30 years ago, on December 17, 1991. And last year, we were celebrating together this important anniversary, 30 years of establishment of our diplomatic relations. And of course, this fact it's connected with a millennial presence of uh, Armenian community here in Romania and very deep historical and spiritual relations between our two nations, between two old churches. As you know, Armenia also is the first country that adopted Christianity as a state religion. And of course, all this foundation, it plays a very positive role for bilateral relations between the Republic of Armenia and Romania. One of the first Armenian embassies in Eastern Europe, it was opened in Bucharest. And also we have a very long uh, record cooperation in a cultural, academic, scientific and other spheres. So in general, I could characterize our relations very developed. But of course, there are a lot of spheres that we would like to have more dynamic, for example, in economic sphere, in people-to-people relation, in tourism and uh, some others. Which is the state of Armenia's economic relations with Romania and in which areas uh, could this uh, economic cooperation be further developed? I think that the economic sphere is the sphere when both countries and governments should invest more to accelerate cooperation in the economic sphere. Before the COVID, together with our Romanian friends and colleagues, we succeed to open a direct our own flight from Bucharest to Yerevan, which immediately had a very positive impact on our economic cooperation, developing of tourism, and also in some other spheres of economic collaboration. Uh, you know, 
know, unfortunately, due to some technical issues and the distance of our countries, we don't have so much cooperation in the economic or trade sphere. Though you can find some Armenian goods, for example, Armenian brandy, Armenian strong spirits on Romanian markets, as well as traditionally, even since the communist periods, Romanian furniture is also present on the Armenian market. But I think that the new spheres of cooperation, for example, a very developed IT sectors, both in Armenia and in Romania, it provides, I think, very fertile ground for further cooperation in uh, this IT and new technology spheres. And we already discussed it, not only on the government level, but also with our friends and colleagues in the regions of Romania, because, you know, we have very developed decentralized cooperation between cities, towns and judges of Romania with their respectful colleagues in Armenia. And uh, this is where I think is one of the most prosperous. The Armenian community in Romania is a very old, well-established and highly respected. How do you cooperate with the Armenian minority in Romania? As I already said, uh, the presence of Armenian community here in Romania, it's uh, one of the most important positive tools that helped not only our embassy, as well as our colleagues in Yerevan, the Romanian embassy in Armenia, to bridge our two countries, but uh, especially it's important to promote our traditions, our culture, our history to Romanian people. We have very brilliant collaboration with Union of Armenians in Romania. We have also so here the Armenian bishopat, and that was established at the end of 15th century. We have the first documents, uh, documental sources about that since the end of 15th century, when in Suchava was established the Armenian bishopat. And of course, these elements also should be considered in broader framework because both union and church communities, they have branches in different regions of uh, Romania. And this is also a very important element of our collaboration. Armenian community played important important role on establishing diplomatic relations between Romania and Armenia. And also we have a political presence of Armenian minority in Romania in the Romanian parliament. For almost a quarter of a century, the Armenian origin member of Romanian parliament, Varjan Pambukchan, he uh, is a president of the minority group. Until the last parliament, also Mr. Varjan Voskanyan, who was a prominent politician, also represents our community in the Romanian parliament. Uh, I would say that in case of Armenian religious and ethnic minority in Romania, we have very positive example of collaboration and also uh, the respect of rights of ethnic minorities here in Romania. And I think that maybe the most vivid illustration of how important is Armenian community here in Romania, I should say that I visited almost 25 Romanian cities and towns that have Strada Armeniaska. That means that in 25 Romanian cities and towns, we have Armenian church. And it's interesting also that in Transylvania, we have also some Armenian Catholic churches, including one in Gerla, Armenopolis, which is the biggest Armenian Catholic church in the world. And we have more than 20 Armenian Orthodox, Apostolic Orthodox churches that also demonstrate very deep spiritual connection between Armenians and Romanians. As you have told already, you have visited Romania a lot. Which regions did you like the most, Your Excellency? I think this is a really very difficult question for me because I really traveled a lot on your country. I really love it. And you have very diversified regions, both by historic and geographic sense. I like very much Delta of the Danube. 
I like seasides, but I think also historical and cultural sense, one of the most beautiful regions of Romania is Bukovina. This is also the first region of Romania that Armenians established almost a thousand years ago. We have now three Armenian churches in Suchava region, including also Hachkatar Monastery, which is very respectful not only for Armenians but also for the local Romanian population of uh, Bukovina and of course this is a very special region not only for Armenians but also for Romanians. How could you characterize Romania in one sentence? Very deep spiritual but also very simple country and uh, nation. Simple I mean a country when you very easy could find good friends that could help you in your life and your activity. Ambassador Minasian, hopefully we have finished this difficult period of the COVID pandemic. How did the two countries cooperate during this COVID pandemic? We established very good collaboration with the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Romania, with the Ministry of Health, with other state agencies. I also should mention that at the end of 2020, Romanian government even provided a small equipment to Armenia and our communities in Romania, they also provided some financial and technical assistance to their compatriots in Armenia. And also it was important collaboration on simplifying the documentation and passports providing by the Romanian government, the Romanian side. And I would in general characterize our cooperation very productive based on mutual trust and help. For the end of the interview, I would like to talk a little bit about your excellency. What is the image of a typical working day for the Armenian ambassador to Romania? First of all, we start with a cup of black Armenian coffee. With our staff, we are starting uh, some kind of small discussion about our plans for these working days or to complete some things that we completed in the previous days. Then, uh, usually also I have some meetings with uh, colleagues from important agencies that we have uh, collaboration. Of course, the part of my job also reading news, newspapers uh, on Romanian domestic and foreign policy issues. And at the evening, maybe also I meet with uh, some friends and colleagues from the community. And which are your passions? What do you do with your free time? You know, because of my academic background, I like, first of all, to travel and to see some important historical places of, in Romania, or to visit uh, museums. You have very good collections, both on historical and art museums here in Bucharest, including also the famous Zambachan Museum, a famous uh, Armenian art collector. It's one of the my favorite museums in Romania. Sometimes I'm going fishing when I have free weekends or walking with kids in Herastrao Park. Ambassador Segeminasian, thank you so much for the interview. Thank you very much and wish you all the best. You have listened to an interview with the ambassador of Armenia to Romania, Sergei Minasian, by Radio Romania International's Eugen Kojokariu. And now here is Kalin Kotsoyu with our regular Romanian language lesson today about hunting. Let's start with the basics. Hunting, vânătoare. Game, vânat. Hunting rifle, pușcă de vânătoare. Shells, cartușe. Big game, vânat mare. Waterfowl, păsări de apă. Hunting season, 
sezon de vânătoare. Hunter vânător to take aim a ținti venison carne de vânat excellent so let's see for some uh, simple sentences today we go hunting azi mergem la vânătoare this area has good game această zonă are vânat bun. I have a hunting rifle for you. Am o pușcă de vânătoare pentru tine. Did you bring shells? Ai adus cartușe? This pond has a lot of waterfowls. Această Baltă are multe păsări de apă. We are not in hunting season. Nu suntem în sezon de vânătoare. He is a good hunter. El e vânător bun. Take careful aim. Țintește cu grijă. That's all we've had time for today. We now leave you with Smiley featuring Dorian and their song Kindle. From us, Diana Vujeu and Julia Hau, it's goodbye. Copile, ce vrei să fii Când alții-s fabrică vinse Când toate din jurul tău Sunt regizate sau scrise Ai grijă ce dai pe bani Capcanele sunt întinse Tu privește în ochi și nu-i lăsa să te schimbe Și sunt oameni de bine ce spun să renunți Dar când inima strigă eu zic să o asculti Aprinde scânteia, se va face foc Dacă dai din coate, se va face loc Grăbește-te că o să treacă Bucură-te de azi Sigur găsești motive Râzi de tot ce e fals Și nu-i lăsa să te schimbe Și sunt oameni de bine ce spun să renunți Dar când inima strigă eu zic să o asculti Aprinde scânteia, se va face foc Dacă dai din coate, se va face loc Focus on Romania. You are listening to Radio Romania International. Next up in this broadcast, it's all that jazz. Welcome, I'm Lucrimara Simeon with a feature devoted to Romania's jazz legend Johnny Roducano, a pianist, composer and double bass player. The well-known artist Johnny Roducano died in the fall of 2011 at the age of 80. 
He was born on December 1, 1931, on the very National Day of Romania. He was loved and respected not only by his colleagues from the jazz world from different generations, but also by numerous personalities of the Romanian culture. Let's start today with the double bassist Johnny Raducanu in an acclaimed instrumental trio formula from the 60s and 70s. He will perform together with pianist Marius Pop and drummer Vasilu Gane. Their respective piece, Blues Minor, appears on three albums, one from 1967 issued in Romania and the other two issued in Japan in 1998 and the US in 2011.
Next, listen to one of the closest disciples and collaborators of Maestro Johnny Raducanu, the soloist Teodora Enake, who together with her mentor, the pianist and composer Johnny Raducanu, will perform a piece called Winter Winter. And of all that jazz today, listen to the great artist Aura Urziciano, who together with the pianist, improviser and composer Johnny Raducanu and the valuable saxophone player Dan Mandrilla, will perform the piece that Cimbalo playing, a genuine hit of the ethno-jazz genre. 
Living Romania Coming up next on Radio Romania International In the Spotlight Welcome everyone in the spotlight to a new edition of our show where we approach topical issues on the local, regional and international agenda. I'm Vlad Palgu. Last week Bucharest hosted the Euro-Atlantic Resilience Forum, an event organized by the Euro-Atlantic Resilience Center in Bucharest, bringing together key decision makers and top experts from NATO, EU and partner countries. Devoted to the Black Sea perspectives in the age of hybrid aggression and disinformation, the forum was designed to pool the visions and perspectives of NATO, EU and the United Nations. According to organizers, inclusiveness and empowerment of NGOs, academia and businesses are key at every step of the process, from the moment a vulnerability is identified until a solution is designed and a policy is implemented. Consequently, the Euro-Atlantic Resilience Forum provides a platform for voicing opinions not just to key lawmakers, but also to various specialists and stakeholders. Over 60 speakers took part in 12 separate panels and side events, addressing the most important areas of resilience as set out in the strategic documents of NATO and the EU. Societal and democratic resilience resilience to emergencies and disasters, resilience to climate change, resilience to emerging and disruptive technologies, 
resilience of critical infrastructure such as transportations and communications, and continuity of government. You are listening to Radio Romania International. In her address, Paloma Gonzalez, Foreign Service Officer at the U.S. Department of State, underscored the importance of resilience as a collective effort and hailed the forum's agenda, particularly in terms of giving a voice to vulnerable categories that are most exposed to aggression and thus need to build up resilience in particular. Resilience is such a challenging and complex concept that encompasses such a diverse and broad sets of challenges and it's really a pleasure that the forum is able to encompass all of these from protecting values to preparing for national disasters to including diverse voices without the voices of women and those who are most affected by the issues of resilience we will never come up with the best plan. So I want to really congratulate you on this amazing and comprehensive agenda. I'm also excited that the United States is able to contribute to the conversation. Resilience is a whole-of-government effort. It is a collective endeavor that needs to stretch beyond just the United States borders in order to learn from our partners and our allies, including, most importantly, Romania, who has so much to demonstrate and to lead on this topic. We have a long history, in fact, of partnering with Romania. Many of you may know we are celebrating our 25th anniversary of our U.S.-Romania strategic partnership. 25 years ago, in fact, President Clinton stood in Piazza Universitatsi and proclaimed the Romanian people have won the world's respect for moving so far so fast, and for believing in yourselves and the future. Those words apply so well today. Romania has demonstrated during the Russian invasion of Ukraine just how resilient you have been from effectively managing 2.7 million refugees to fighting off Russian disinformation, coping with cyber attacks, preparing for the unforeseen military scenarios. It has been quite impressive to see Romania's resilience showcased in front of the world. And we will continue, as we have for 25 years, to partner with Romania on resilience, on security, on economic prosperity, and on building our democratic values. Speaking in the opening of the Euro-Atlantic Resilience Forum, General James L. Jones, Executive Chairman Emeritus of the Atlantic Council and former Supreme Allied Commander Europe, addressed the international response to Russia's aggression in Ukraine and the importance of collective security as one of the pillars of Euro-Atlantic resilience. Security and stability on the European continent has been jeopardized for the second time in a decade by a regime whose ambitious actions and atrocities herald back to the darkest time of the previous century. These actions have triggered a resolute response by nation states and the North Atlantic Treaty Organization to expand its membership by two states, activate its defense plans, 
deploy elements of the NATO's Rapid Response Force, and significantly increase the number of forces at critical locations on the European continent. In this era alone, there is a clear evidence of Mr. Putin's incredible miscalculation on two fronts. One, on the invasion itself, and two, on the underestimation of the capability and capacity of the Russian army. These efforts have also revealed the existence of national critical capabilities gaps and the gravity of addressing and closing these gaps to enable both our collective and national readiness and resilience. Strategic defense reviews informed by the significant defense landscape, changes will now drive even more future defense development initiatives and investments. These investments must be all-encompassing and focus on closing the gaps in critical vulnerabilities such as cybersecurity for critical infrastructure, integration of secure 5G technologies into civilian and military networks, and civil-military preparedness. Alex Sherban, founding president of the Euro-Atlantic Council Romania, spoke of the Adrian Arsht Rockefeller Foundation Resilience Center, set up by the Euro-Atlantic Council in 2012, which shares similar values and goals with the Euro-Atlantic Resilience Center in Bucharest. The Atlantic Council promotes constructive leadership and engagement in international affairs based on the Atlantic community's central role in meeting global challenges. Towards this goal, we have created an essential forum for navigating the dramatic economic and political changes defining the 21st century by informing and galvanizing its unique influential network of global leaders. For over a decade, this has been reflected in a new initiative inaugurated in 2012 with the Council's Adrian Arsht Rockefeller Foundation Center for Resilience. In a way, it is similar and complementary to what the Romanian Euro-Atlantic Resilience Center is aiming to achieve in Europe and the Black Sea region. Arsht Rock is developing and deploying innovative policy, financial, technological, and educational solutions in fighting, for example, climate change, for instance, while bolstering resilience for the most vulnerable among us. Asked how do you define resilience and how critical is resilience in the work of a think tank, our president, Fred Kemp, said, people think resilience is the ability to bounce back, that it's the ability to recover quickly from the world's inevitable shocks and stresses. I think it's the ability to bounce back better. Resilience is crucial in everyday walk of life, and no individual, company, or country can escape stresses and shocks. The question is whether that individual, company, or country is designed not just to survive those stresses and shocks, which is important, but whether one emerges even stronger. We are now called upon today to save our planet and to defend ourselves and our communities against threats to our societies. Our mission is shaping the global future together with partners and allies. For us, Arsht Rock Foundation and the Euro-Atlantic Resilience Center in Romania at their core aim to tackle challenges and threats across the Atlantic community and applying them to a new set of issues of existing natures. And with that, we wrap up today's In the Spotlight. From me, Vlad Palku, it's goodbye.
focus on Romania. Dear friends, Radio Romania International continues its traditional polling of listeners on shortwave, the internet and social media with a new challenge, in spite of yet another complicated year. It's been difficult because of the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic and the war waged by Russia against Ukraine, of rocketing prices of energy, the famine in some parts of the world, and also the growing inflation, which has turned everyday living into a burden for many people around the globe. We would like to ask you which person you think left their imprint on the world in a positive way in 2022. We are preparing to designate, based on your options, the personality of the year 2022 on Radio Romania International. Who could this person be and, more importantly, why? Would it be a public figure or somebody unknown to the larger audience but with a special story? It's up to you to decide as usual. You can send your answers by commenting on our website at rri.ro by email at engl at rri.ro on our Facebook profile on WhatsApp at plus 40744312650 and by fax at 00402131902. We recall that in 2021 we did not have a personality of the year, but people of the year on Radio Romania International as medical workers were designated the world's best citizens for being in the front line against the COVID-19 pandemic, together with those who developed vaccines against COVID-19. The personality of the year 2022 on Radio Romania International will be announced online and in our shows on January the 1st, 2023. That our broadcast in English for listeners in Western Europe and Africa has come to an end. You can listen to our next program for Western Europe at 1800 hours UTC on 7350 kHz in the DRM system and on 9770 kHz in analog system. Listeners in Africa can receive our programs tomorrow at 1200 hours UTC on 17821470 kHz. We can also be heard on the internet at ri.ro channel 1. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write an email at engl at ri.ro. Goodbye. <laughs>